Welcome to the Half Mind Solar Podcast, providing off-grid solutions for an on-grid world. Our goal is to give you ideas and information that you can utilize in your own life to increase your self-sufficiency and independence. Hey everyone and welcome to the Hack My Solar Podcast. This is Sean Mills and today we're going to talk about inverters and balance of system components. So when we talk about balance of system, we're just talking about those things that we need to complete the system that uh, aren't main components. Um, some people consider everything that's not a a PV panel to be balance of system components. I consider the battery bank and the charge controller and the inverter to be primary components and everything else to be balanced. So we're going to talk a little bit about inverters and uh, the different types of inverters that uh, there are out there and, and some considerations uh, when, when picking an inverter. And then we'll just cover a few of the, uh, the balance of system uh, components uh, so that you understand the other uh, things to be taken into consideration when you're uh, designing out your system. So what is an inverter? Uh, well, the inverters are the components that take the DC or direct current provided by the solar array and stored in the battery bank and then converts it to AC or alternating current for your home use. Uh, now, you may decide to put in a straight-up 12-volt DC or 24-volt DC system and run with it, and that would be fine, but most people are going to have an inverter to convert the DC over to AC, and then they'll use AC components in their house. Now, let's talk real quickly about what alternating current is. So alternating current is the, uh, it means that the current alternates its direction up and down over and over again about every eight milliseconds uh, to create a nice wavy pattern. So up, down, up, down, up, down. It goes up, it rounds off, it goes down, it rounds off, and it continues to do that. Um, that is the way that, uh, uh, you know, when the, the electricity wars were happening, where you had uh, basically, uh, you had Tesla uh, pushing the AC, or Westinghouse really, pushing the alternating current uh, because you could step up the voltage and transmit the electricity over very long distances and then step it back down uh, before you went into the house uh, versus Thomas Edison, who was all about DC power and he wanted all of the electric utility infrastructure to be DC-based. Uh, as a matter of fact, I believe I read at some point that um, Edison uh, electrocuted a elephant uh, with alternating current to show people that it was unsafe, um, you know, because of the voltage issues. The, you know, we, the reason why we combine and step up the voltage coming off of the panels uh, before we send them to the charge controller is so that we can use more cost-effective uh, wiring to get that electricity moved. So 
anyways, um, that was kind of the the war of, of or the battle of the currents as they called it, and um, you know that was it was AC versus DC. So, in any case, I know I got on a tangent there a little bit, but uh, you want to uh, you want to make sure that you're matching uh, your inverter to your battery bank, and and we're going to get into why you know why understanding what alternating current does and means uh, here in a second. But, uh, you know, again, matching your inverter to your battery bank. If you've got a 24-volt battery bank, you don't want to buy a 12-volt inverter, okay? Um, once you've cut out or reduced the usage of all the devices that you can, um, what you need to do is you need to do an, an analysis of the devices that you still have and how often they're used used to understand uh, what the demands of your inverter are going to be. So um, if I buy a 1,000-watt inverter and then I I turn on my 1200 watt microwave um, I'm gonna have problems my microwave is not gonna work so we need to take a look at the um, the different devices that we are going to use and we need to take a look at uh, both what their normal running um, draw is and uh, what the startup draw is uh, a, a refrigerator compressor for example may draw five times its running amps for about a half second while starting up so typically um, when you're when you're shopping for inverters, you're going to see the, uh, the the rating, you know, the max rating, and then it'll also have a surge rating. And it, not only will it tell you what the surge rating is, how many watts it can take, but for how long, um, you know. So an inverter that'll take uh, a high, you know, seven thousand, a three thousand watt inverter that'll take seven thousand watts for five seconds, right before cutting off may be something that's useful to you uh, once you take a look at what your different loads are. Uh, if you've got your um, air conditioner unit in, in your window on and your freezer, your deep freezer compressor, and your refrigerator compressor all kick on at the same time, uh, you're going to want to make sure that you've got the right amount of uh, surge to take care of those. And then, of course, the right amount of uh, your, you know, enough inverter to, to run those uh, loads all at the same time. Another thing you can do, one of the things that we do, we have several loads that are pretty high loads, and, and we take a look, and, you know, and uh, if the battery bank is, is getting a little low, the depth of discharge is, is getting a little low uh, or close to our cutoff point, um, and we've got the air conditioner on, and, um, you know, my wife is doing dishes or something or, you know, loading the dishwasher where we, we're going to have both the dishwasher and the well pump on, uh, well, you know, maybe we'll go turn the air conditioner off and, and um, you know, let that, that uh, um, pump and, and the inductive load on the pump and the heating element and the dishwasher work at the same time. Those are drawing a lot of electricity. And, and those are just things you got to think about when you're off-grid. Um, for us, making that little decision um, makes a lot more sense than buying an inverter that may have been $1,000 more expensive. Uh, turning one thing off so that we can use the other one uh, instead of having to, to, to wait for the next day for the sun to be out, um, you know, that's something that we do. So um, once you've got your, oh, I'm sorry, 
Uh, I wanted to mention that uh, there's a lot of tools on the internet also that can help you determine what those these loads are. Uh, my favorite is over at the Alt E store, Alt E as an energy, and I've got a link to that in the uh, in the show notes uh, in the podcast. And um, that, that's a great tool that you can use. It'll help you determine what those loads are. So again, once you have those that total watt hours per day and what your peak loads are, then you can start looking at inverters. So here are a few things that you want to consider consider when you're evaluating your different inverter choices. So number one, uh, are we going to go with a pure sine wave or a modified sine wave? Uh, these are the two main classes of inverters that you're going to be looking at. Sine waves are that nice up and down curve that I spoke about before with the rounded peaks and valleys. Uh, pure or true sine wave inverters um, create AC electricity that's just like the grid power. So everything in your house was designed to run on true sine wave. Alright? Uh, that doesn't mean that it can't run on modified sine wave though. Uh, modified sine wave is more blocky than true sine wave. Uh, modified sine wave goes up to peak for a few milliseconds then it goes down to zero for a few milliseconds. Then it goes down uh, to you know negative 60 for a few milliseconds and then it repeats. So it's up up, over, down, over, down, over, up, over, up, over, versus the the nice, curvy, wavy, uh, true sine wave pattern. So, uh, you know, personally, um, I, I've, I've heard it both ways. Uh, we went ahead and bought a pure sine wave inverter because we didn't want to find out two years from now uh, that all these things, electronic components that we were burning out, needed a true sine wave, and 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 you know we had the ability to get it. And we went with modified sine wave instead. We did overbuy our our inverter. Uh, we we did not need as big of one as we got, but we were new to it five years ago when we went off grid, and we uh, we wanted to make sure we had enough. And, um, and we do, you know, so that's a good thing. I guess it's better to have too much than not enough. But, you know, the people do say that there are high tech, there are high tech and sensitive electronics that are going to have problems with modified sine wave. Um, you know, five years ago, there was a pretty big uh, price gap between the two. Now, it's really not that much. Uh, and because of that, if I was going to go do it all over again, I would go true sine wave again just to make sure I wasn't going to have any problems. Um, you know, I don't want to have, you know, a family member over visiting and bring their CPAP machine and then find out in the middle of the night that it, is, it doesn't work and, and then they're not enjoying our stay with us. So, um, so like I said, you could go either way, pure or true sine wave or the modified sine wave. Um, they both work. They from, from studies, they both work on just about everything but there are some high tech stuff that's not going to like that modifying sine wave uh, another option would be to have a modified sine wave inverter for most of your loads and then a separate smaller true sine wave inverter for, for the finicky loads that, uh, that need that so that would be another option for you 
another thing to consider is do you want an inverter slash charger or not? Uh, so an inverter slash charger is a combination of an inverter, a battery charger, and a transfer switch, and it's all in one device. Uh, so when if you've got a generator on and it's hooked up, or if you're hooked up to the grid, then the inverter can actually recharge the battery bank. Uh, it also allows any surplus AC power to pass right through the inverter and power the house. Um, so you can have the TV on in the house and be charging your batteries at the same time, either with grid power or with um, you know wind power or micro uh, hydro if you wanted to, or solar, which is what we typically talk about here. Um, you know, for me. I would again advise use getting one that does both. Um, it, the, the, uh, there's not a lot of cost difference between an inverter slash charger and one that doesn't have the charging function. Uh, so there's really no need. It, it's it wor- it does so many things for you. If your battery bank blows up for some reason, you can still hook the generator to the inverter. And power the house just like you have the battery bank on until you get your battery bank fixed. Uh, you know, so it's just something that I would, I would suggest going with. Uh, and then the other one would be your, the future expandability. So, uh, some inverters are going to play well with others and they can actually be wired in parallel to expand the system and others can't. Um, so, you know, you want to, you want to look at, you know, what, how are we going to want to expand? Do we want to buy a little inverter now and then add another little inverter? later? Do we want to buy a big inverter now and have it power everything? Do we want to be able to add uh, a smaller inverter to power some outbuildings? There's tons of different options there and it's just something that you should think about. Uh, you know, What are we going to do 5-10 years from now and what are we going to want to uh, do in terms of expanding the system? Let's try to design that in if we can. You may look at it and say hey, I'm going to buy this inverter because I can get it for a great price and I'll use it until it no longer fits my needs, and then I'll try to sell it and buy a bigger one. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Okay, so that's it about the inverters. Let's move on to the uh, balance of system. Um, So the balance of system is simply the other components. Oh, you know what? One last thing. I'm sorry. Uh, The other thing you want to think about on the inverter is do you need 120 or 240 into the house? Uh, So, so. You know, our house was wired to code, even though there was no um, grid electricity attached to it. So we had 200. Our well pump, our initial deep well pump, uh, it was was a 240 well pump. So we had to have an inverter that would uh, invert our 24 volt battery system into 240 volt AC. So that's another thing to look into. If you've got 240 volt appliances and you want to continue to use them then you're going to have to have an inverter that's capable of doing that. The other option would just be to get rid of those appliances and go to appliances that use all um, 120, and then you can get an inverter that just goes to 120. Uh, so now that's all we're going to talk about uh, with the inverters. So back to balance the system. Uh, it's the components other than the main ones that you need to complete your system. So, for example, we got our solar panels in. Well, we need to put them on a mount. Right? Maybe we build our mount. Maybe we buy one. Maybe we buy one that tracks the sun. That would be a balance of system component. We need to wire our panels together. 
uh, we probably want a combiner box uh, with breakers in it so that we can wire into individual strings and then we can control whether those strings are individually putting power onto uh, the battery bank um, you know for repairs or if we want to change them out or anything like that so uh, that wiring and the combiner box once it's all combined uh, the wiring from there over to our charge controller we want, may want to put a, um, a, a fuse in that system in line to ensure that we're not putting, you know, if we've got a 150 amp um, charge controller, maybe we want a 150 amp fuse in line so that if it goes over that for some reason, the charge controller is protected. Um, all the miscellaneous disconnects, safety switches, uh, and all of that that you may want on the system, uh, bus bars, uh, grounding rods and, and grounding bars and things like that to make sure that the system is properly grounded. Um, you've got uh, your battery cables. Um, you know, you may have uh, monitors or, you know, charge or battery uh, controllers and things like that, digital displays uh, that you have, any mounting or racking system for your batteries and your inverter uh, and all that. All of those things would be Balance's system. The only one that really um, is going to have a big effect on how your system performs is going to be the wiring. So let's talk real quick about wiring. I've touched on it a few other times before. You know, I, I've said quite a bit. We want to step the voltage up so that we can use um, a smaller diameter wire. So let's just talk a little bit about wiring before we wrap up today. So when we're talking about wiring, we want to make sure that we're accounting for um, voltage drop or loss in the system. Uh, so based on the size of the system, um, whether it's uh, 12, 24, or 48, uh, we, we calculate uh, wire size using certain uh, percentage losses. So there's tons of information on the Internet about this. I don't want to go into a lot of detail about what size to use for what length run for what you know specific voltage look it up do the research there's tons of tools online that can help you you just put in this is what my voltage is coming out of my combiner box this is how long the run is this is the size i need you know with, with, based on the acceptable amount of loss now connecting the batteries to the inverter this is a big deal. You really want to make sure that you've got the right size um, wire here. And the reason is, is that when we convert from AC to DC, we have to, we just divide the AC voltage by the DC voltage to determine how many, or the multiple of how many amps we need. And here's the math. And I'll just do, I'll just say on 120 volt AC to a 12 volt DC battery bank. Okay, 120 divided by 12, that's 10. That means for every amp of AC, I need 10 amps of DC pulling from the batteries. Okay, that's another reason why we went with the 24 volt uh, battery bank at our house, is because when we have that 240 uh, volt uh, draw on the submersible well pump, well, we, you know, we didn't want to have to, to account for 200 to 250 amps, um, to a 12 volt battery bank. It would just, it's, it's too much. So 
you gotta you gotta figure out what those uh, what those needs are going to be, what that maximum need is going to be. Okay, then you figure out by dividing the you know again watts equals amps times volts. So if we know the system's 120 volts in the house, and we know that let's say it's drawing 2400 watts, we take the 2400 watts, divide that by 120 volts, and that gives us the, what is that, 20 amps? So then we take the 20 amps, and going down to a 12-volt system, so from 120 volt down to 12, we have to multiply that by 10. We need cables that would be capable of taking 200 amps. And the problem that you're going to run into, especially when you're on a battery bank system, is just because you've got 12 volts in the system doesn't necessarily mean your battery bank's always at 12 volts. Okay. As a matter of fact, if you charge them right, it's typically going to be uh, a good bit higher than that. So... You gotta kinda account for, okay, how many amps is it gonna draw when the battery bank is full versus how many amps is it gonna draw when the battery bank is at 50% depth of discharge and, and the inverter is getting ready to kick off. Well, what's gonna happen if you're that low and you start trying to draw those massive amps through the system? Your wiring, you're gonna have losses, your wiring's gonna heat up, and your inverter's gonna say, oh, you know what, this is too much, I'm turning it off. Alright, so, uh, I'll cover that a little bit, bit in more detail when we do the show on putting all of the math together and actually designing out everything, you know, putting it all together. But, uh, for, for the wiring, you definitely wanna step that voltage up to get from the panels to the charge controller because that's going to save you as much as 70% in your wiring costs. And that that final terminal connection from the inverter to the batteries, you've got to make sure that you're using big enough cables there. And again, all of that information is online. There's tons of tables and, and charts and calculators online that can help you come up with that information. So we'll build a theoretical system later, and I'll tell you what we need for those. But if your system doesn't match it 100% you use those wiring sizes you could end up in trouble well hey everyone thanks for joining me today if you've got any questions you can send me an email at sean at hackmysolar.com you feel free to leave a question in the comment section on the blog look forward to talk to you again soon